In today's episode, I got a great opportunity yesterday to talk with Jason Stark, Hall of Fame baseball writer, on what's going on with the Phillies this offseason. I'll recap to you what we had to say in our conversation together and what it means for the Phillies going forward. A great opportunity to get inside the minds of one of the great baseball writers ever. We'll discuss it on today's episode of Locked On Phillies. You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, this is Locked On Phillies. I'm Connor Thomas, your host. Thank you so much for checking us out. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that great stuff. I really do appreciate it. And today's episode is brought to you by Fandle. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit Fandle.com slash Locked On to get started. So, in today's episode, a really, really fun opportunity that I got yesterday. So Jason Stark works with the radio station I work with, 97.5 The Fanatic. And there's a new show we're doing over there at The Fanatic called The Philly Hot Stove Show, talking about what's going on with the Phillies offseason. It's going to run a couple times throughout the offseason. We're going to have Jason Stark on. We talked to Scott Lauber, who covers the Phillies for the Philadelphia Inquirer as well. And there were some very interesting things said. I'd love if you tuned into the show uh, when we have it. I'll tweet out on my socials when I'm doing that particular show on 97.5. I do a bunch of different different stuff over there and for NBC Sports Philadelphia on the television side. But yesterday, got a chance to sit in. Ricky Metallico, uh, the host of the show, was kind enough to let me co-host with him. And we talked to Jason Stark about a lot of off-season stuff with the Philadelphia Phillies. And Jason gave us a bunch. I think... In total, we might have gotten four questions off because he just had so much elaboration on everything that we wanted to know about with the Phillies. And there was so much good information in there. So let's jump into what Jason Stark had to say in the interview and um, basically my take on it. I talked about this a little on air on 97.5 The Fanatic yesterday, but of course, I haven't shared it with you folks here on the Locked On Phillies platform. So uh, let's jump into it. The first thing that we led off asking him about was this interesting kind of dynamic with a Bryce Harper potential extension. Now, Bryce Harper is already signed for the next billion years, basically. Uh, he'll be signed through his age 38 season. So he wants to be a Philadelphia Philly for the rest of his career. And for a lot of people, that would be the amount of time Harper signed for now. But Harper wants an extension. Now, Jason Stark believes, he was kind of saying that he doesn't think it was Oh, Bryce Harper went to Scott Boris, who represents him, his agent, and said, I want an extension. I think it was Scott Boris going to Bryce Harper and saying, yo, bro, let's get you an extension. It was more agent-driven, so that's something to keep in mind here. That is Jason Stark's feeling on it, is that um, Boris was kind of pushing Harper to go in this direction. And basically, here's the dynamic, right? Here's why it's so interesting for the Philadelphia Phillies. Bryce Harper has no opt-outs. He cannot be traded. He cannot opt out. He cannot find any way out of this contract unless the Phillies outright release him. And why would they ever do that? So basically, he's locked into this contract. 
It's at a great value. In fact, John Middleton flat out said to Bryce Harper celebrating after the, I guess, NLDS this year, or maybe it was last year, said he's underpaid. Straight up. When your boss tells you you're underpaid, I imagine it's within your rights to seek a raise then. And that's kind of what Bryce Harper's going for with this extension. And he also wants to extend the amount of years. He thinks he can play until he's 45. So that's why Bryce Harper wants the extension. And he's gone to the Phillies and basically said, yo, I, I want to get this done. Now, why wouldn't you extend Bryce Harper? He's given you everything. He's played well. He's fought through injuries. He's came back quicker. He's attracted a lot of high-profile players to this organization that have helped you become an immediate contender. He's done, he won an MVP here. He's done everything you could have asked. When you went to the World Series last season, he was the number one player on that team and basically carried you there with just an amazing individual effort in last year's postseason. He had moments again in this postseason that helped you get by the Braves, get by the Marlins. Like He's just... He's an unbelievable player. He has outperformed his contract based on how much he's being paid. So he should deserve an extension, right? And also, I mean, he's bought into the city. He loves this place. He's a great teammate. He's a great leader. He does all these charitable things. He cares about the city and the fan base. There, Like you could not create a more perfect Philadelphia Philly than Bryce Harper. So why not extend him, right? What would be the reasoning not to do that? I look at it from that perspective and I say, dude, give him all the money in the world. Give him everything he wants, the amount of years he wants. He's earned that right. And you might say, okay, well, you're still missing the World Series win. And to that I say, well, I mean, he's still under contract for years. Who's to say he's not going to get one here in Philadelphia? I'd honestly bet on Bryce Harper to bring a World Series to Philadelphia at some point. If I had to lean one way or another, is he going to win one here or not? I'd say yes, but we know that stuff's kind of a crapshoot. So outside of that, what more does he have to accomplish to show you that he deserves to ask for whatever? But Jason Stark brought up an interesting point because that's how I was initially viewing it. It's like you kind of have to give Bryce Harper an extension, right? Face your franchise, great player, everything you ever wanted him to be. If he hasn't earned one, who has? And Jason Stark brought it up from this perspective. If you're John Middleton... If you're Dave Dombrowski, why would you give him an extension right now? He's got so many more years left on his deal before the contract is up. A lot more time for Bryce Harper before he's going to come anywhere close to free agency. He wants to be in Philly for life. The Phillies want him to be a Philly for life. Like Both sides are in agreement on that. And eventually, I imagine there will be an extension for Bryce Harper. But... Do Dave Dombrowski and John Middleton feel the pressure of having to do it now? He has no opt-out. What's he going to say? I'm going to stop playing for the Phillies because you didn't give me an extension on top of my 13-year deal that you already gave me? Like Bryce Harper, while it seems that he has leverage due to his awesome, awesome play and the type of teammate he's been and everything he's done for this organization, does he really have leverage? Like, What leverage does he have? He's not going to sit out. He's not going to not play. He's not going to complain. Like He's just going to go back to playing so basically do you just you're not required in any way to give him more money he's asking for it do you negotiate in good faith and just say well you've earned it we're going to give it to you or do you negotiate as a business person and say why would we like we don't have any reason to pay you more money 
Like we don't, there's no requirement. There's no need. There's no way you can demand this from us. You're asking it and out of the goodness of our hearts, we could pay you, but we don't have to right now. And there's other things we're looking at. We haven't won a world series. We're trying to commit money elsewhere in the organization. So it's a very interesting dynamic. There's no reason not to give Bryce Harper an extension, but there's also no reason to give Bryce Harper an extension, at least at the current time. So what do the Phillies do? It's, uh, it's really mind boggling. And I thought that that was a very interesting point by Jason Stark that I hadn't considered. It's just the Phillies have no reason to give Bryce Harper an extension right now, but there's also no reason I could think of why he doesn't deserve one. So that'll be an interesting dynamic. I don't imagine that there will be any type of bad blood between the Phillies and Harper, but that's a very delicate conversation that Dave Dombrowski, John Middleton, Scott Boris, and Bryce Harper have to have together to figure out the future of the face of the Philadelphia Phillies franchise. So something to keep an eye on in the coming seasons, maybe this season, uh, what we hear on that front, because it's clear Bryce Harper wants to get an extension done. So I thought that was very interesting. Uh, Coming up, though, there are other roster moves that the Phillies need to make. It's the offseason. This is where you retool and rebuild your roster to try and make it better than what you accomplished this past year. Or... You can do what it seems like the Phillies are doing, which is essentially running running it back. And I'll give you an explanation of what I mean by that, what Jason Stark's thoughts on it were, and why I disagree with Jason Stark and his sentiment on what running it back means for this Phillies team. So we'll discuss that as we continue today's episode of Locked on Phillies. First, though, I want to tell you about my friends over at FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel? There's no better time to get in on the action than right now. You have so much data for the NFL. You have so much that you know about the college football teams in the playoff. Uh, The NBA's been rolling. I mean, hockey's going. There's a lot of opportunities for you to make money and make great bets. So go ahead and check in on FanDuel. And plus, $5 money line bet, you win, you get $150. What a deal, right? Why would you not be a new customer at FanDuel after that? Plus, the app's super easy to use. There's a whole bunch of betting options. It's not just money line bets. You can bet spreads, player props, over-unders, parlays, futures, everything you can imagine. FanDuel has it. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and keep the NFL season going hot. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so let's have this conversation about running it back. And what does that mean exactly? So running it back, basically, is something that Ricky Batalico, who was hosting the show, Jason Stark, who was joining us, uh, they were hesitant about. Because when you come up short of winning the World Series, and it essentially looks like you're bringing back starters at every position and your rotation similar and your bullpen similar. Really, you have six spots basically locked down in the bullpen already, which leaves you two to work with. Um, I mean, that scares some people because complacency is not ideal for a team that hasn't won it all yet. That's why it's scary to folks. You say, well, how do you run back the same team and expect a different result? Like That is literally, and I know it's cliche to use this, but that's the definition of its insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. I know we've all heard that a billion times before, but that's how it can be viewed. 
And Jason Stark told us on the air yesterday that Dave Dombrowski at the winter meetings, which concluded on Wednesday, it, it was the calmest he's ever seen Dave Dombrowski at the winter meetings. Wasn't doing anything, just hanging out, chilling. Like, and that's very un-Dave Dombrowski-like. Last year, he was all over the place trying to figure out what's going on with Trey Turner, this, that, the other thing, like running through all kinds of stuff. And this year, it was the calmest Jason Stark says he's ever seen Dave Dombrowski. So what does that mean? It means that not necessarily that the Phillies are going to be complacent, but that they know they don't need to make any huge moves to this roster. Like, no big Otani signing. Uh, no big trade for a top, top level pitcher. And that might annoy some people because you might say, well, they haven't won anything yet. And I get that. I do. But you look at running it back, and I also look at it this way, right? The Philadelphia Phillies are very, very close to winning it all. They lost in the World Series last year. They were a game away from going back to the World Series this year. I know you say, oh, that might look like a step backwards. It's not really because they weren't a worse team this year than they were last year. They won three more games in the regular season. They had a really good look. They were a higher playoff seed. I mean, they took another step in the right direction in the regular season. And then, unfortunately, in game six and seven in the NLCS, they fell apart. But what are you going to do? The guys that went cold in the NLCS, you're going to replace them? Okay. Replace Bryce Harper. Replace JT Romuto. Replace Trey Turner. Replace Kyle Schwarber. Replace Nick Castellanos. I mean, you're not going to do it. And the young players on this team, Bryson Stott, Alec Bohm, Brandon Marsh, do you know enough about those guys to say, okay, we need to bring in somebody better? The only guy, because Marsh just got here last year at the trade deadline, Bryson Stott was a rookie last year. This is only his sophomore season. Alec Bohm's been here for a minute. If he has a season this next year where it seems that you need an upgrade at third base, that could be the only guy, but that's not going to come now. That would be after the 2024 season. J.T. Romito, we talked about in his player evaluation, is he potentially regressing? I look at that and I say, oh, well, that's a conversation to have after this season as well. And you're not going to replace him. Who are you going to get better than J.T. Romito that's available, that's worth the upgrade, right? Like there might be a catcher slightly better than J.T. somewhere in baseball. But the price you would have to pay is not worth the marginal difference. It's just not. You are locked in at basically every position on the field. The only one that's very interesting is center field because there are thoughts, and this is something Scott Lauber brought up who covers affiliates for the Philadelphia Inquirer. It's very iffy as to how they're going to handle Johan Rojas in 2024. It sounds like they're going to try and give him an opportunity to compete for the position, but if the Phillies don't sign another outfielder, who's he competing with? He's better than Jake Cave. We know that. Brandon Marsh is probably going to be your everyday left fielder with Kyle Schwarber DHing. So who's truly competing for the center field spot with Johan Rojas? There's nobody, unless you go out and you sign somebody. So there's a pretty good indicator that they're going to get another veteran outfielder. Now, it seems like the move will be a guy that's going to end up on the bench, but a guy talented enough to compete with Rojas for the starting role in center field. And then in spring training, Rojas is going to have to go out there and earn his right to play center for this team and show that he has a little bit better offense and everything like that. Um, Scott Lauber also brought this up, which I thought was interesting. He was asking around if there was a threshold for offensive production for Johan Rojas. And he can't really seem to get an answer on it from the Philadelphia Phillies. But like basically what that means is, do you need to see him hit 250? 
do you need to see him at 230? Like, based on his defense, what can you accept offensively? And it doesn't sound like there's something set yet for the Philadelphia Phillies on that front. They'll need to come up with a general idea of how well he needs to play to earn that spot, but that's interesting. Outside of those two spots, though, left field, center field, depending on where everything goes, and I imagine Marsh is going to find himself in left field, I, I don't really – know how you could improve this team. And that's why I'm not mad at running it back. Because what realistically could you do? What realistically could you change? You could have signed Blake Snell instead of Aaron Nola. Is that an upgrade or is that a change just for change sake? I don't I don't see anything that's not a marginal upgrade that would cost you an insane amount to get done either by trade or by how much money you're committing. And also it doesn't sound like both Jason Stark and Scott Lauber gave the sentiment that the Phillies are just going to be uh, hanging around for the big moves, and then later they'll find the guys that kind of fall through the cracks, for lack of a better term. So something to keep an eye on there. I just, I'm just i not as afraid of running it back. You can let me know in the comments of this video. Uh, let me know, are you okay with the Phillies kind of running it back? Same roster essentially as last year, maybe another bench bat, but nothing hugely changing. To me, I just – I. I think they've been so close last year against the Astros. They were not postseason veterans yet. Like they were not, that was not their year to win it. It just wasn't. They played a tough team. That Astros team was a better team. You came up short. You gave it a good run this year. You probably had a really good opportunity. You came up short and you went cold in a bad spot, but going cold in the NLCS is not a reason to move on from superstar players. And that's what you'd be doing if you didn't keep the guys that you currently have in their positions. So Ultimately, you're kind of stuck where you are when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies, and they're not stuck in a bad place. But that's why I'm cool with running it back, because I think they've been very close. I think if you replayed that series against Arizona, the Phillies win that probably seven out of ten times. This just happened to be one of the three where, man, crazy stuff happened. And credit to the Diamondbacks. I know I'm not trying to be that, oh, the Diamondbacks stink. They shouldn't have won. No, they earned that series. My point is, that was a flash in the pan for Arizona. This, what the Philadelphia Phillies are doing, is consistent competition. And why would you try and mess with that? I wouldn't. So that's why I'm cool with the running it back kind of feeling that Dave Dombrowski seems to be uh, having right now when it comes to this baseball team. Now, coming up as we wrap up, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the offseason goals from what I gleaned with those two conversations with two really smart baseball minds yesterday. I guess we'll call it three because Ricky Metallica is in the conversation, too. He's a smart baseball mind. Uh, so we'll discuss that coming up as we wrap up Locked on Phillies. All right, so offseason goals for the Phillies. Obviously, there's going to be need in the bullpen. It sounds like there's going to be two spots available because six spots seems to be accounted for already. You've got Jose Alvarado, you've got Sir Anthony Dominguez, you've got uh, Gregory Soto, you've got Matt Strom, you've got Jeff Hoffman, and you've got Orion Kirkering, who will probably be in there as well. Now, depending on what happens with the rotation, if you sign another starter, maybe Christopher Sanchez ends up in the pen. But I do think they're going to, if they don't get a, another starter, Sanchez will be your five. Walker will be your four. Suarez will be your three. Noel, your two. Wheeler, your number one ace. So. Two spots in the bullpen. You'll need to add some guys. There are a couple of names out there that are interesting. Jordan Hicks is one that pops up a lot. Hard-throwing righty, command issues. Can the Phillies handle that? Well, they had Jose Alvarado 
a guy that threw hard with command issues, and they turned him into one of the better lefty relievers in baseball. Maybe they can get that done. So uh, Jordan Hicks is definitely an interesting name, or Aldous Chapman's out there. Hater is not really in the cards. It's too big of a move. They don't want to commit the money. I would love Josh Hader on this team, but it doesn't sound like the Phillies are going that way. Uh, and then you also need a bench bat, a guy that can play outfield, a guy that's a versatile defender. Kike Hernandez seems to be the go-to name for that just because he could play a whole bunch of different positions. He plays with winning organizations historically, and that's a guy that has proven he can be a part of a winning organization. So is Kike Hernandez the right pick? Maybe you're looking at a guy who could just be a versatile outfielder. I don't know, Randall Pritchick, he was a trade deadline interest. Maybe he's available now as a free agent. Would you sign him? Batted around 300. Like, I, I don't know. There's some options. But the key to the Phillies offseason, they're going to be like uh, turkey vultures, right? And they're going to sit around, and they're going to wait for what falls through the cracks. And then when everything settles, so we're talking more late January, early February moves than anything right now before the new year. And they're going to go on Christmas break coming up and they're not going to do a lot over the holidays. So they're just going to wait and hang around. And then mid to late January, you're going to start to say, oh, okay, this guy, we thought his value was going to be higher than where other teams have. Maybe we go snag him. This reliever, I can't believe he's not signed yet. Why? Oh, okay. Well, we can get him at a lower price than we thought. Go get him. It's going to be waiting for the market to settle. And, Right now, the market far from settled. That's the way the Phillies are attacking this offseason. That's their offseason goals. A couple of relievers, maybe another starter, maybe. I'd be surprised. And a versatile bench bat that can play in the outfield. Or there is still potential that they go out and they sign a guy who's going to start in the outfield for them over Yohan Rojas. And that would be a little bit more of a sizable financial commitment, but it's still going to be something that happens later on in the offseason. So, Basically what I'm saying, folks, settle on in for that long winter's nap. The Phillies aren't doing anything anytime soon, and that's okay because they're close, and one thing breaks their way, who knows? They could be on top of it all this next year. So uh, thank you to Jason Sark and Scott Lauber and Ricky Batalico for allowing me to be in on those high, high-level baseball conversations with some really smart guys. It was an awesome opportunity. I'm glad I got to share the information I gleaned from that. With you. So thank you so much for checking us out. You're on Locked On Phillies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Again, please make sure you're rating, reviewing, subscribing to the YouTube, all that great stuff. I really appreciate it. And I'll talk to you next time on the next episode of Locked On Phillies.